The carol tells us, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I wonder. I wonder, because all babies cry. He must have been the most remarkable baby if he didn't. And it's a cry, of course, that can't be ignored. Tired and weary parents may try to resist it, but in the end, it will get the better of you. You'll go and attend to the demands of your offspring. As those of us who've had some dealing at first hand with babies, we know they're not all there cracked up to be. Not only do they cry, they vomit all over you. They produce large, huge, in fact, measures of unspeakable waste product. They need to be fed at impossible hours of the day and night. Even so, built into almost every human being, especially of the female sort, is the urge to nurture them, to look down on in their cradles and jabber at them in incomprehensible gibberish. Wouldn't it be better if someone had invented a kind of baby attention diffuser? Surely some clever scientist could invent a robot who could be stationed beside the child's cot and programmed to talk gibberish instead of mum and dad? Could be equipped with a whole host of songs and nursery rhymes to pacify the infant? There must be a computer expert somewhere who could install the ability to uh, change a nappy or administer a bottle. Why on earth do tired and weary parents have to attend to such trifles? The other day, for instance, a report on the radio gave details of the development of a smart car, smart in a, a technical sense, you understand, which could drive itself. It's not actually ready yet, unfortunately, but they're working on it. Just think, you could go to a party, you could enjoy yourself as much as you like, then get into the car and tell it to take you home. Oh, what about a smart robot nanny? After all, if you're rich enough, you can have a human version right now. Well, I had better take my tongue out of my cheek, hadn't I? These days, mothers and fathers have to work. Both have to work to make ends meet. Childcare is one of the biggest bills some young couples have to pay, and grandparents come in very useful in that regard. But in spite of what I've said, and you understand, I was being purposely cynical. It's not what I really think. We would put up with all the inconvenience of babies, wouldn't we? I doubt if there is a parent here in this church who'd be happy to to give their child into the care of a substitute in preference for the love and attention they themselves can give to their children. Oh yes, they cry, they have to be changed, and they demand to be fed, but we love them all the same. Christmas is about a baby. Well, it begins with a baby. It certainly doesn't end there. Because you see, for centuries... Men and women had been messing up God's world in much the same way that we mess it up today. They'd been fighting and killing each other, exploiting and enslaving each other, ignoring God's commandments, living to please themselves. But because he is a loving father, an infinitely loving father, he'd sent them prophet after prophet, 
They'd all been ignored. He'd let his people taste the bitterness of their own disobedience and obliterated their national life, driven them into exile. But nothing, nothing seemed to deter them from going on their own way and spoiling his plans. You'd think, wouldn't you, that he'd lose patience with them, that he'd be tempted to turn his back and abandon them. But precisely because he is a loving father, he couldn't bring himself to do that. He had one ace up his sleeve. Instead of another prophet, instead of another set of rules to live by, instead of some even harsher measures to bring them into line, he came to be with them himself. Like a parent climbing the stairs to her little one, he knew that only his presence would make the difference. St. John says, the word became flesh and lived for a while amongst us. And what it literally means is he pitched his tent amongst us. He came himself because he knew that no matter how sophisticated and clever, a substitute was no good. My younger son has a daughter now of his own. But when he was a baby himself, he suffered from quite severe asthma. And one night after he'd been put to bed, he began to cough with that queasy asthmatic cough so well known to anxious parents. And sometimes he couldn't get his breath and he would begin to cry, a frightened, desperate cry. And so, to give my wife a break, I went to his room and lay down on the floor beside his bed so that I could be near him and comfort him in his distress. It's the sort of thing any parent would do, please God, because that's what being a parent is all about. Well, more than 30 years later, I still feel the same impulse. That doesn't mean that I'm especially good or unselfish. It just means that like you, like the rest of humanity, I am made in the image of God. Our love for our children is a pale reflection, but nevertheless a reflection of God's love for us. Now, the sacrifice I made of a good night's sleep is infinitesimal in comparison to the sacrifice God made for you and me when he came and pitched his tent amongst us. It cost him rejection and a hideous death. But he was prepared to make it because he knew that was the only way to rescue us from the result of our sin and bring us back to himself. As those of us who've been parents know, a baby's cry can drive you to distraction. It's programmed to do exactly that. And sometimes even loving parents find it difficult to cope with. I know from personal experience, the maddening frustration you feel when a baby just won't stop crying. And my heart goes out to anyone who has to cope with the little ones on their own. But have you ever thought of the maddening frustration in God's heart when we reject his love and we mess up our lives all over again? Have you ever thought how he must feel? The wonderful thing about the gospel is that he never gives up loving us, no matter how big the mess is or how many times we make them. Next time you hear a baby cry, 
and watches her mother, picks her up to comfort her. Remember, that is what God has done for you and me. Because he's not interested in substitutes. And the baby who was born in Bethlehem, who grew to be a man in Galilee, and who gave himself on the cross to break the power of sin, he has come to us himself. And it would be the greatest mistake in your life if you were to turn him away. And so if you want to know more about him, if you want to know more about the Christian faith, if you've got questions to ask, and we've all got questions, haven't we? If you want to say exactly what's in your heart and mind about life, the universe and everything, there's an opportunity for you to do that. Because from the 7th of January, on every Monday evening, we're going to have an Alpha course in our house next door, in the Rycroft, just next door here. If you want to come along to the Alpha course, you are really, really welcome. The Alpha course is great. It starts off with a meal. And then you have a presentation, a DVD, talking about the gospel, explaining the Christian faith. And then it's your turn. You can pull it to pieces. You can say anything you like. And you'd be welcome. If you'd like to come along, perhaps you'd have a word with me or with Lydia. Or just come along on Monday the 7th of January when we're having our um, taster evening. Perhaps it would be a good idea to tell me or my wife or someone because... I need to be fed as well, you know. But you'd be really, really welcome. It's the best news that anyone could ever, ever know. And we want to share it as much as we can.